0: The
1: first degree. first degree. First degree. First degree.
0: First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
2: And I was like, oh my gosh, that's cheerleader Brittany. Like, I definitely never would have suspected that she would have been caught up in something like that. I mean, it was really pretty shocking.
1: Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting with Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen, maybe together, maybe apart. You'll never know. That's right. Oh. So it is mid-November and I have a question for you guys. Sure. Have you started uh, decorating for
0: Christmas yet?
1: No, but I was planning to do it this weekend. Hmm. What about you, Billy?
0: No, day after Thanksgiving is when you decorate for Christmas.
1: You're a day after Thanksgiving guy. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to start setting my stuff up soon. At least like bringing in a Christmas candle or two. I need all the joy I can get, frankly. Need all the joy that we can get. Um, Billy, what day is it today?
0: All right, today is November 10th, and I'm really excited about this one. It's Sesame Street Day. Ooh.
3: Oh, God.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Who is your favorite Sesame Street character? Cookie
3: Monster. Cookie Monster.
0: I could see that. Yeah.
3: Wait, is Oscar the Grouch a
1: yeah. Sesame Sit? Sure, of course. Yeah, he is. yeah. Yeah. Cookie
0: amazing... Monster was the
1: cutest though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I'm a Grover guy. Always love Grover. Uh, but what an amazing show. I, I mean, yeah. to be able to do that, we talk about things that came out of the seventies. It's just like
3: I like the
1: count so crazy. The,
0: yeah, the count was the great. the count's
1: good. Didn't they just come out recently saying like Bert or Ernie was gay? Or is that something I just made up in my mind?
0: Um, it might have been either. I don't know. Maybe 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 Bert's bi, I think. I don't know. They're
1: being progressive. Um yeah. Do yeah. kids still watch Sesame Street these days?
0: They do. Yeah, it's still on there. They did a deal with HBO too. And like there's a whole bunch of different things. You know, Elmo got a little bit too big for his britches. I will say that. They they spun Elmo out a little.
1: Was that tickle a little me little doll? too
0: much. It was, it was the Tickle Me doll, yeah.
3: Yeah, lots of controversy. Lots of creepy uncles buying Tickle Me El- Elmo's for sure. <laughs> That's right. I like
1: uh, Sesame Street's like Seinfeld. It's just timeless. Yes, absolutely. Good for everybody at any age at any time.
0: And I just love it. And I have a lot of Sesame Street apparel and socks and things. Mm,
1: that doesn't surprise me. No. In the I'm least. Conscious are there any other good days or is that i feel like that's pretty bleak today
0: It's national vanilla cupcake day i don't know why it has to be vanilla no one cupcake wants vanilla somebody, one. somebody apparently had an agenda
1: jared's favorite he loves a yeah. vanilla anything very bland
0: he should hang out with paul Hulls. Paul paul's like when paul Hulse wants to get decadent for dessert he's like i'll have a scoop of vanilla ice cream
1: i know very House very creative bleak. bleak it's it is very bleak like a dusty ice cream <laughs> exactly All right, well, I think that that is enough of
3: that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety.
0: Because this could be you.
3: New romantic relationships are always exciting. Getting to know another person on an intimate level is of course, extremely special. However, sometimes relationships are formed far too quickly and you may not take the time to truly get to know the person that you're dating. In situations like these, you could find out the person you're dating isn't exactly who you think they are. You try to get out, but it's too late, you're stuck. Or maybe the person is exactly who you think they are and you're okay with it. In fact, you're so on board that you'd risk your entire life for this person.
1: We begin today's case on February 1st of 2016. Justin Bieber had three songs on the top 10 charts, which is insane, which were Sorry, Love Yourself, and What Do You Mean, which was a bop. Adele was also back at it with her song Hello, The Revenant was in theaters, and Leo didn't know yet, but he'd soon win an Oscar for his role as the bear fighter, or whatever he played in that movie. Dirty Grandpa was also in theaters and didn't win any Oscars, but we got to see Zach Efron take his shirt off, and to me, that's better than any award.
0: The setting for today's case is Joplin, Missouri. With a population of around 50,000, Joplin is located in the southwest corner of Missouri. The city was settled in 1840 and was named after Reverend Harris Joplin, a Methodist missionary. After lead and zinc were discovered in the area, miners flocked there, but then that mining boom collapsed and became a hub for shipping and trading farm products. Although Joplin is known for many things, like being located along Historic Route 66, it might be well known for people like me and you for that tornado that hit the area in 2011. 200 mile per hour winds, the tornado tore through the city, ripped up everything on its path, 150 people were killed, and one third of the city's buildings were damaged or destroyed.
3: So brutal. So who better to tell us about Joplin in the case we're discussing today than our first degree for today's story, who's named Kristen. And she was born and raised in Joplin.
2: They call it the four states area. Joplin is very close to Kansas and Arkansas and Oklahoma. And it's kind of like the biggest city in that area, even though it's not a very big city, but it had like a mall and, you know, at least some sort of things to do.
1: Kristen attended a small private school in
2: Joplin. I started at a school called College Heights Christian School, and at that time, and I believe it still is like the biggest private school in Joplin, but it's not exactly a big school. It was about 500 students from pre-K through 12th grade, like all in the same building, and a lot of the people that went there also had siblings that went there, so you would get
0: to know, you know,
2: people's families, and I mean, you got to really know a lot about people because it was just such a tight-knit environment.
0: While in the 11th grade at College Heights, Kristen met a girl named Brittany Reeves. Brittany was a freshman. She'd attended College Heights for quite some time, but before they were in high school together, Kristen and Brittany had no reason to cross paths.
3: Kristen recalls Brittany being the quintessential cheerleader.
2: The image I have of her in my head when I think about her is the cheerleaders could wear their uniforms to school on game days. So she would be like in her uniform with like a little bob haircut with a bow in her hair and like you know blonde highlights and makeup okay and side note everyone
3: you all need to know that jack was actually a cheerleader <laughs> uh i was
1: and my cheer p- picture is probably the most iconic picture i've ever taken in my life so maybe i will share that this yes. week for all of our lovely listeners so good um but being a cheerleader wasn't the only thing that Kristen remembered about britney she also remembers Brittany being pretty quiet she kept to herself usually She was really nice, and she really seemed like she had it all together. But Kristen did recall a scandal involving Britney.
2: The scandal of the moment that she was dating a senior when she was a freshman. And I I don't think that was a long-term relationship. I think they broke up sometime that year. But I remember it, you know, being like the hot gossip.
0: Kristen told us the senior boy was a basketball player. He drove a convertible and was a loudmouth type. This makes me wonder, did Britney, even in high school, already have a thing for bad boys?
3: Well, there's no doubt that bad boys are kind of irresistible. But anyways, after graduating in the early 2000s, Kristen lost track of her younger classmate. That is, until February 1st of 2016, when she logged into Facebook and saw something absolutely unbelievable.
2: A friend that I had gone to high school with had posted... This post, it was like very vague, but it it was like very captivating. Uh, It said, I can't believe this is happening. I went to high school with Brittany and then it had a link to a news article. And so it didn't like specify what Brittany. And even though our school was pretty small, I could think of two different Britneys off the top of my head. And so I wasn't even sure like which one it was. Kristen clicked on the article and she was shocked to find out
1: that this Brittany was Brittany Reeves. Except, at this point, Brittany had gotten married and changed her name to Brittany Harper. But we'll get more on that later. And I was like, oh my gosh,
2: that's cheerleader Brittany. Like, I definitely never would have suspected that she would have been caught up in something like that. I mean, it was really pretty shocking. So I click on the article, and what I'm reading is very shocking. It says there's a couple from Joplin, Missouri named Brittany Harper and Blake Fitzgerald who were wanted for some crimes in Alabama. And they had included, like they had held up a a motel clerk at gunpoint and robbed him and then kidnapped him. They ended up letting him go.
0: And that wasn't all the couple had done. They'd committed a string of other pretty serious crimes and were on the run from the law.
3: So this begs the question, how exactly does the quintessential cheerleader transform into a violent criminal. Well, to find that out, you know the drill. We've got to go back to the beginning. To be honest, there isn't a lot of information out there on Brittany as it relates to her personal life. And this is probably because her family has refused to speak to the media. But we were able to find out a handful of things that may help explain what led her to sort of embark on this crime spree.
1: On November 5th of 2005, less than three years after graduating high school, 20-year-old Brittany married 26-year-old Justin Harper. They never had any children together, but they did own an equine hoof care business together, and it was called J&B Farrier Service. So I guess we can assume that either she or her husband at the time were horse people.
0: From what we can tell based on the limited information we have, Brittany and Justin's relationship was tumultuous. Starting in 2009, things only got worse. In April, Britney filed for divorce. In May, she was arrested for a DUI. She pleaded guilty and was sentenced to six months in jail and a year of probation. In June, Britney withdrew her petition for divorce. Then in October, Britney filed for divorce again. Then in December, she withdrew the petition again.
3: Right. So she really couldn't make up her mind about this guy and whether she wanted to stay married. Because in June of 2010, Britney filed for divorce yet again for a third time. Then, on October 22nd, Justin, the husband, filed for a full order of protection against Britney. So, yikes. Because according to a super in-depth Rolling Stone article written by William Browning, Britney slashed at Justin with a knife and hit him on the head with a metal toy. They separated. Then he filed for the restraining order. All right, so this went from tumultuous to violent and dangerous. So a hearing relating to those charges was held, and Britney didn't show up. As a result... The court did, in fact, grant Justin this order of protection for six months. In March of
1: 2011, before the six months was up, Justin asked for the order to be terminated and his request was granted. And from what we can tell, Justin and Brittany got back together.
0: Then on October 24, 2012, Justin passed away at just 33 years old. It's unclear how he died, but his obituary says that he died at home. The obituary also mentions Brittany as being his wife.
3: It's unclear what happened in Brittany's life immediately following her husband's death. But here's what we do know. Almost two years later, Brittany was pulled over for a traffic stop. Her belongings were searched and police found a bag of meth. They also found hypodermic needles. She was charged and Brittany pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of unlawful use of drug paraphernalia and was given a fine.
1: And it's obvious that something happened to Brittany after her husband died. And there could be some defining moment that changed everything. And that moment could have been her husband's death but we don't know for sure, and we can only guess. We also have to consider that Brittany was charged with being violent prior to her husband's death, so maybe something happened to her, or maybe she had been escalating towards something extreme for her entire life.
0: We asked Kristen if she had any idea what may have happened to Brittany, or whether she'd heard anything through the grapevine, and she said she wasn't sure.
2: Apparently she had been married and her husband had passed away, which is pretty sad, so you know, I'm not sure really what past she went down after that but the way things ended up it sounds like you know she went through some rough times
3: but kristen did have some insight into Brittany's meth use
2: it is such a massive epidemic in the joplin area particularly when i was living there that was a really shocking thing to me about joplin is how often meth was in the news it was pretty much on, on a daily basis, like either there was a meth lab being busted or there was some explosion of the meth lab that caused injuries or property damage or people were getting arrested for distributing meth. Now, we can only speculate on
1: this, but it's possible that meth is how Brittany met Blake Fitzgerald, who becomes relevant in the story very soon. And like Brittany, Blake struggled with substance abuse, and many people said that he used meth. So like we said, we don't really know for sure how Brittany and Blake met, but it could have been this shared interest. But regardless, on January 21st of 2016, Brittany posted on Facebook that she was in a relationship
0: with Blake. They were both 30 years old. And thanks to a very in-depth article in Rolling Stone, we know quite a bit about Blake's background. He was born and raised in Joplin. His parents, Renee and Terry, divorced and both remarried. Renee owned and operated Connie's Antiques in Joplin, and Blake often worked there. Blake dropped out of high school and went on to have three children with three different women. While his presence in the children's lives has been described as sporadic, it's been said that Blake sincerely loved his children.
3: And Blake had quite the criminal record. In 2013, he broke into a home with his friend Brandon Willis. Blake kicked in the front door and used a knife to threaten the 63-year-old woman who lived there. They stole her purse, jewelry, TV, computers, and left in her Mercedes. No one was injured, at least physically, but I'm sure that poor woman was definitely traumatized and left scarred. Blake and Brandon were convicted for these crimes, and Blake was given a seven-year suspended sentence and was sent to a 120-day substance abuse treatment program. Brandon was sentenced to five years in prison.
1: And also in 2013, Blake was accused of raping a woman. Charges were never filed after the woman stopped cooperating with police. But as we all know, there are a multitude of reasons why rape victims stop working with the police.
0: In 2015, Blake pleaded guilty to assault. He'd gotten into a bar fight where he punched a man so hard that he fell unconscious and broke his ankle. For this, Blake was given a five year suspended sentence.
3: In January of 2016, and this is where things are getting interesting, Blake was living with his mom, Renee, and her husband, Mark. The mother of Blake's three month old was also living there. Blake was kicked out after he stole a large amount of money from his mom and stepfather. This theft happened sometime between January 16th and 18th of 2016. And then we know that on January 21st, Brittany and Blake were in a relationship on Facebook just days later. So does this maybe give us some insight on what Blake's mind frame was immediately preceding this crime spree? Maybe. Maybe what we're seeing are sort of acts of desperation or or worse. By January 21st,
1: Brittany and Blake were in a relationship on Facebook, and we all know... Being Facebook official is a massive deal. So at some point in that short amount of time, they got together. And their bond must have been very, very strong. Because after the break, we're going to hear that Britney would be willing to do anything
3: for Blake Fitzgerald. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply.
1: In mid-January of 2016, Blake Fitzgerald was kicked out of his parents' house. By January 21st, he was hooked up with Brittany Harper, and on January 22nd, they embarked on a cross-country headline-making crime spree.
0: Why the crime spree began is unclear. What we know is that Blake was still on probation for the burglary conviction. And a source told Rolling Stone that Blake had recently failed a drug test. It's quite possible that Blake knew he was going back to jail and just said, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do. Blake's mom, Renee, told Rolling Stone that she wasn't sure why he went on the run. She thought her son was doing well after he left the state substance abuse treatment program.
3: As for Britney's involvement in the spree, sources told Rolling Stone that she may have been involved in the drug trade, specifically cooking methamphetamine, and may have recently run into trouble. So this theory is believable, because remember, when Britney was pulled over and arrested for having meth and hypodermic needles, so this is sort of tracking with her M.O. So it turns out she wasn't alone in the car, and when she was arrested, there was a suspected gang member who was also with her.
1: And while we may never know the exact catalyst which sparked the spree and prompted them to go on the run, we do know that on January 22nd, the Joplin home of Dr. Douglas Richards was broken into. Five TVs, a checkbook, and eight firearms were taken. One of those guns was a 45 caliber, which was the same type of gun that Blake would use to go on this spree. Dr. Richards told police that he thought Blake was the culprit. Blake had worked on his wheat and cattle ranches in the past, and Dr. Richards had fired Blake after he accidentally mowed down an entire wheat field. But when police went to speak with Blake about this robbery, he was already out of town. And while it's never been officially confirmed that Blake and Brittany were the ones who broke in, it is a widely accepted theory.
0: On January 24th, three days after making her relationship with Blake official, Brittany posted a picture of her and Blake on Facebook. The caption read, Hated by many, Wanted by plenty, disliked by some, confronted by none. And we have the photo right here. What's going on in this photo, ladies?
3: They look actually
0: like a really cute couple.
3: They do look like a
1: cute couple. I do have a problem with the uh, hat beanie that Blake is wearing. It's one of those beanies with a little small brim on the front, which is sounds like something Billy might wear. I would Billy, never, do you I have I would never wear that.
0: I do not have that hat. And con- it's, and by the it's way, everybody... It's not the
1: winter version of your hat. I not the winter
0: version of the hat, which I'm wearing today. Um, and you guys have not even said anything about it, so, which I appreciate. But um, no, and he's, it looks like he's got a full sleeve. Uh, he's got a nice watch on. And he's got a tank top on.
1: They do, they do look cute together. They're both smiling. They both look happy. Um, dimly lit, you know, might be yeah. having like a sexy time or something. Who knows?
0: The next day, Britney posted a graphic on Facebook that read, quote, I wasn't planning on going for a run today, but those cops came out of nowhere. Now that's some foreshadowing.
3: On January 26th, Blake and Britney's crime spree officially began, at least from law enforcement's perspective. The couple went to Extreme Power Sports, a used car dealership in Webb City, a suburb of Joplin. Britney filled out a credit application and a salesman went with them while they test drove a black 2009 Cadillac priced at $14,000. After they were done test driving, the couple asked the salesman if they could test it alone. This was against the rules, but the salesman felt the couple was trustworthy, so he allowed it. And looking at this photo, I kind of get it. Like, they seem like a really normal couple. But this was a big mistake because the couple took off with the car and never looked back. And this criminal
1: car-stealing Britney seemed completely different from the Britney that Kristen knew in high school.
2: She didn't really have a reputation for being... Like a troublemaker or anything she seemed pretty quiet she would keep to herself obviously you know she was very confident when she was cheering but she just you know just was kind of one of those people that kept to themselves some schools there might be some troublemakers you're like oh you might you know go into a life of crime someday but it just yeah i was very surprised that when it
0: happened two days later the couple went into an econo lodge in azora missouri blake asked the female clerk about getting a room and said his girlfriend wanted to view it first. The clerk said okay and took Brittany to an empty room while Blake waited at the front desk. Brittany said she didn't like the room, so she and the clerk returned, and the couple left. When the clerk went back to her desk, she realized her purse and cell phone had been stolen. She called the St. Genevieve Police Department. Not long after, police in the county tried to stop the black Cadillac, which was speeding away. The chase didn't last long before the Cadillac outran the police. Brittany and Blake then went to a home in Cape Girardeau County, busted out a window, then unlocked a door. Thankfully, no one was home when the couple stole the keys to a white Chevy Trailblazer, parked the Cadillac in the garage, and continued their spree.
3: On January 30th, four days into the spree, the couple stole an air pump from a Walmart in Bessemer, Alabama. I think we can agree that's a super weird thing that they to steal. Uh, one, yeah. because why did they need it? And two, because they had money to pay for it because they'd cast a few of Dr. Richard's stolen checks. But I guess if he'd already gone this far, why not just double down and steal an air pump, I guess? Later, they checked into a nearby Economy Inn and stayed the night. The next day, they drove to Tuscaloosa. And something must have happened on that 50-mile drive, because what they did next was way more serious than copying an air pump from a Walmart.
1: Blake and Brittany walked into the lobby of the Microtel Inn and suites in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The couple had told the night shift clerk, 26-year-old Kyle D., is that they ran out of gas. Kyle recalled their eyes being bloodshot and their clothes being disheveled. Blake and Brittany used the bathroom, grabbed a few cups of coffee, and then Blake pulled out a phone from his pocket and called for a taxi. And while waiting, Kyle asked where they were from. The couple said Joplin, Missouri. And knowing a tornado had devastated Joplin in 2011, Kyle mentioned how a tornado had also hit Tuscaloosa the same year. And Kyle told Rolling Stone that they, quote, sort of connected on that level.
0: But then Blake went up to the counter and told Kyle that he needed his keys and the money from the register. And Kyle laughed it off. And Blake said, I'm not even fucking with you while flashing his .45 caliber gun. He asked, do you know what this could do to you?
3: Kyle gave them $396, but that wasn't the end of it because Blake thought Kyle had already called the police. So he led Kyle at gunpoint to the parking lot and into the backseat of Kyle's Volkswagen Jetta. Brittany drove north towards Birmingham, while Blake sat in the front passenger seat, fiddling with the radio until he found a hip-hop station. What a cliche. While driving, the couple was surprisingly open with Kyle. They told him that they were trying to get to Florida to get married. They wanted to, quote, escape and start new lives. Kyle believed the two were in love. He told Rolling Stone that he sensed real love between them.
1: Once they neared Birmingham, the couple realized that they would need something faster than a Jetta to outrun the cops. Kyle asked if they could hotwire a car. Blake said no, held up his gun and said, but I've got this. Blake added that he didn't like using it and said, quote, every time I do, I feel like I'm losing a piece of my soul. In a Birmingham suburb, Blake and Brittany saw a white 2011 Camaro convertible in the parking lot of a McDonald's. As the owner of the car, Zora Harris, got out, Blake went up to her and said, Ma'am, I'm fixing to rob you. Zora said that she didn't have anything, and Blake said, I want your fucking car, and I ain't fucking playing with you. Zora threw the keys, she ran, and yelled to someone about the Jetta's license plates. And Blake was upset about the license plates, so he got back into the Jetta, and they took off.
0: As they sped north on Highway 31 per Rolling Stone, Blake and Harper talked about the license plate thing. The Jetta owner, Kyle, was still in the backseat.
3: He was probably terrified, by the way. Like, that is so scary.
0: Well, the thing is, he wasn't fearing for his life yet, but he was starting to. Because he's he's seeing this this couple with a gun and they're, you know, talking to each other. He's worried they were going to get in a police chase and maybe they'd be killed in a crash or maybe a shootout. It didn't help that Blake told him that he wasn't going back to prison ever. He would go out shooting. That's when Kyle knew Blake would be killed. He just hoped he wouldn't die along with him. Luckily for Kyle, the couple pulled off the highway into the parking lot of some condos in a town called Vestavia Hills. Blake asked Kyle to promise he wouldn't contact authorities until he was back in Tuscaloosa. Kyle said yes, he was released, and then the couple took off.
3: So little did Kyle know that Brittany and Blake simply drove around the corner and stopped at a house on Monte Vista Drive. At this point, it's around 8 a.m., and the family inside the home was eating breakfast, getting ready for church, having a normal freaking day, when Blake goes into the garage, walks into the house, and he told the husband and the wife and their two young children that he was having car trouble. He pulled out a gun and demanded the family give him a phone and car keys. Even though the family followed directions, Blake put a gun to the man's neck and forced him towards the garage. The man got away and ran for help. Blake then forced the woman into the garage and put her into the family's 2010 Ford Edge. Brittany got into the back seat next to the woman, and Blake started driving. Now, this is sh- some scary shit. So as they drove, the woman tried to wave down a passing driver. But Brittany told her, you don't want to do that. Blake and Brittany told the woman they were going to South Carolina. Thankfully, they dropped her off near a Birmingham medical center. Then they continued on with their spree.
1: On Monday, February 1st, at around 11 p.m., the couple is in the middle of Georgia. They pulled off the interstate and went to a Murphy Express gas station in the town of Perry. Blake went inside and saw that there is only one clerk working, who was a small 19 year old woman. He grabbed him out and do, because of course, do she move? Walked to the counter and he pulled out his gun. He took $160, five cartons of cigarettes, which is insane, and told the clerk to get in the Ford Edge with him. Blake said he wouldn't hurt her, and he even opened the door while she got in the front passenger seat. Brittany sat in the back seat while they used the clerk's phone to call their family.
0: During the spree, Blake had actually called his mom Renee multiple times. Each time, she begged her son to stop. She said, I'll come pick you up. And every time, Blake would say he didn't call to explain what he was doing, only to say that he loved her. And that's it. Renee told Rolling Stone that, quote, his tone was often frantic, like there was not enough time. Fifteen minutes after kidnapping the clerk, Blake pulled off the interstate again and told her to get out. She ran to a nearby adult store and called nine one one.
3: It was at this point that the media really started paying attention to Brittany Blake and their crime spree. By February second, Missouri and Alabama authorities had figured out who was responsible for the string of crimes. They released a statement to the public to be on the lookout for this couple who was armed and dangerous. Tuscaloosa police had a press conference stating that they had no idea why they were running, what they were running from where they were running to, or why they were doing this. Also at this point, the U.S. Marshals announced a $10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of Blake
2: and Brittany. There was a reward out for their arrest and they're on the run. So, you know, people were, you know, desperately trying to find them before they committed further crimes. So, you know, it became pretty widely publicized, especially since it seemed to be happening across multiple states. The media started referencing the couple as a
1: modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. And as often is the case, the media needed to cling to an infamous duo as a way to characterize Brittany and Blake, and obviously a way to get people to click and read their articles. And it wasn't just the media that was obsessed with the crime spree couple. Social media was blowing up, and hashtags like ride or die were all over the place, and people were tracking the couple's movements. But not everybody was a fan, and some people posted statements like, kill them, like hashtag Bonnie and Clyde.
0: Now, for those of you who might need a refresher, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow met in January 1930. Soon after, 21-year-old Clyde was arrested for burglary. He was able to escape using a gun that 19-year-old Bonnie had smuggled to him. But Clyde was quickly captured and put back in jail. He was released in February of '32. Soon after, Bonnie and Clyde's famous crime spree began. Within two years, they were thought to have committed multiple robberies and burglaries and 13 murders in at least five states. On May 23rd, 1934, the spree came to an end when authorities were finally able to track down and quarter Bonnie and Clyde near Salis, Louisiana. The duo tried to get away in their car, but officers shot them to death.
3: And this is sort of an interesting little tidbit about Blake and Brittany. They actually had a distant connection to Bonnie and Clyde in real life. You see, in 1933, Bonnie, Clyde, and three other gang members rented an apartment above a garage in Joplin for two weeks. When police heard they were in town, they staged an attack, and Bonnie and Clyde were able to get away, but they left behind some luggage in their quick escape. Inside that luggage was a camera and film. Once it was developed, the film showed the now-famous pictures of Bonnie and Clyde pointing guns at each other. The apartment was put on the National Register of Historic Places, and it became a place where people would visit and take pictures. And the owner of the apartment once had a booth at Blake's mom's antique store. Often, Bonnie and Clyde memorabilia would make its way into the booth, and Blake always said he wanted to visit this apartment. Knowing that Blake had an interest in this famous duo, it's probably not hard to believe that he probably liked it when the media started referring to him and his lady love as a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. Now we're
1: going to go back to February of 2016. On the 3rd at around noon, Blake and Brittany walked into Alvin's Island Department Store in Dustin, Florida. They were acting completely normal, grabbed a basket, and started shopping. And as they walked toward the register, Blake threw the keys to Brittany, and she went out to get the car. Blake went up to the cashier and said that he wanted the money. He grabbed the tray out of the register and ran to the door. They had successfully committed yet another robbery, and the headlines read, Bonnie
2: and Clyde stay
1: one step ahead of the cops.
0: Like many, Kristen was following Brittany and Blake's movements.
2: I was intrigued, and I, you know, obviously got this vibe that things were probably not going to end well. Like, these seemed like to be pretty desperate sort of crimes. And so I, you know, wasn't sure what was going on, but I would Google their names every day, and there was updates every day. On February
3: 4th, at around 7.15 p.m., the couple went to a famous footwear store in Pensacola, Florida, They picked out two pairs of Nikes, an Adidas backpack, and five pairs of Nike socks. Gotta get that footwear. At the register, Blake pulled out a gun. And when the cashier couldn't get the register open, Blake offered to help. What a gentleman. The couple took around $390, plus their footwear, as mentioned. And he told the cashier to lie down in the back of the store. In the parking lot of a nearby seafood restaurant, police found some of the stolen famous footwear items. Well, that's pointless. They looked at surveillance footage from the restaurant and saw the couple was still driving the Ford Edge he stole from that family.
1: At around 9.45 p.m., a deputy saw the Ford Edge in Pensacola Beach. A chase ensued through Gulf Breeze and over Pensacola Bay via the three-mile bridge, but the Edge eventually outran the police. After around 30 minutes, police found the Edge abandoned in a residential neighborhood of Pensacola, but the couple was nowhere to be found police were unaware that the couple had run from the park to a backyard of a residence on Whitney Drive. Inside was Ian and April Gunnell and their two-year-old daughter. Ian heard his dogs barking and when he looked through the back door window, he saw Blake standing with a gun, which sounds so terrifying.
3: Um, It's worst fears. It's like all the scary shit you want to see at your window. You want to see it. You want to see a bear. You you know, that's regular scary shit. This is like life-ruining fear. Yeah, you're like, oh, fuck.
0: Blake hit the door and broke in. He told Ian and April to take their child to the bedroom, and Brittany told the two-year-old that everything was going to be okay, she didn't have to be scared. Ian later told a local TV station that Blake and Brittany, quote, were under no illusion. They were in a bad place, and they knew things were going to go bad. April added that she was scared of Blake. She didn't want to look at him. She was scared that if she made eye contact, that he'd lose it. Blake and Brittany then used Ian's phone to call their parents, and in frantic tone, Blake told his mom that he loved her, again, and asked to speak to his 3-month-old child. And Renee said it was in the middle of the night and the child was asleep. Blake then said if he didn't call her by 2 a.m., things had gone badly. Renee told him, don't talk like that. The call ended. Renee tried calling the phone back multiple times, but no one ever answered.
3: After an hour in the Gunnell's house, Blake said he wanted to go, but Brittany wasn't ready. She'd hurt herself while scaling a fence. After another hour, they took the keys to the Gunnell's Chevy Colorado and took off. Ian flagged down an officer. Police started looking for the Chevy, which they soon found on I-10 at around 2.40 a.m. After that, the couple left the interstate and drove south on Gargan Point Road, with police closely behind. Blake turned down Saragon Lane, but found that it didn't have an outlet he turned into the first yard on the right. And this is where the 10-day spree finally ended. It was just after midnight on February 5th. Blake and Brittany had stolen a family Chevy Colorado, and the police were right behind them on their tails. Blake had turned down a no-outlet road. He hit a dead end. He was forced to turn into the yard of a residential house. They were surrounded by police at this point.
1: The yard belonged to Kenneth Broxton, and he woke up to the sound of sirens, which is also, again, terrifying. He looked outside and saw his yard covered in police cars. The Chevy Colorado was also in the yard. Blake was in the driver's seat, but Kenneth never saw Brittany, so he thinks that she might have been laying down. Kenneth woke up his wife and then grabbed his shotgun. They walked out the front door, and that's when they saw the Chevy start moving really slow. And it turns out, the OnStar system in the truck had been activated, which meant that the truck couldn't go over five miles per hour. Kenneth and his wife watched as police fired shotguns at the tires and yelled to the occupants to come out with their hands up. Kenneth later told Rolling Stone that the police were doing, quote, all the things that you hear them say in the movies. They were trying to get them to surrender. Eventually, the Chevy made it to the backyard. Police went into the inside of the house and took Kenneth and his wife out to a safe area.
0: In the backyard, Blake and Brittany got out of the Chevy. They both exited on the driver's side. And get this, Blake immediately places Brittany in front of him as a human shield. Piece of shit. You see, you can only imagine what Brittany was thinking in this moment. She had looked to Blake as her ride or die, the Clyde to her Bonnie. And she was willing to risk everything, including her life, for this man. But when Blake maneuvers her body in front of his, she had to realize that she had been fooled. Blake was not her Clyde. He was a coward.
3: After using Brittany as a human shield, they headed to the back porch. Blake tried to shoot the glass out of the back French doors to make his way inside the house. But the doors were made of impact glass to protect against hurricanes. As Blake faced the doors, police yelled at him to surrender. But he didn't. So they started shooting. A lot.
1: When the gun smoke cleared, Blake was dead. Miraculously, Brittany only suffered a leg and ankle injury. She was taken to the hospital and then later to jail. And luckily, no officers were harmed during the standoff. Later, Kenneth counted 13 bullets in his home. And to this day, the back porch where Blake was killed is still stained with blood.
0: Following the shootout, headlines read, Manhunt for modern day Bonnie and Clyde ends with gunfire. Chases." And Clyde used Bonnie as shield in police shootout. But unlike the media, the sheriff, David Morgan, told them that he didn't want to glamorize the couple as being a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. He said that only encourages people to be copycats. There's nothing glamorous about death. There's nothing glamorous about taking hostages. The public didn't listen to Sheriff Morgan. Much like the Bonnie and Clyde apartment in Joplin, the Broxson house became a popular place for people to take pictures.
3: In October 2017, Brittany pleaded no contest to six counts for the crimes committed in Florida. Three of false imprisonment, one count of grand theft auto, one count of home invasion robbery, and one count of robbery with a gun. She was sentenced to 20 years, but she still faced federal charges. In January 2018, Brittany made a deal with federal prosecutors. She pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to transport a stolen vehicle across state lines two counts of transporting a stolen vehicle across state lines, three counts of carjacking, and one count of brandishing a gun during a crime of violence. In exchange for pleading guilty, prosecutors dropped a second count of brandishing a gun. Brittany was sentenced to federal prison for 19 years and three months.
1: Following Brittany's sentencing, Assistant U.S. Attorney Erica Barnes said, quote, For days the world watched as Brittany Harper and her boyfriend Blake Fitzgerald acted out some criminal fantasy of being a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde but the consequences of their actions were very, very real. The sentence imposed today holds her accountable for that and sends the message that there is nothing romantic about violent crime. U.S. Attorney Jay Town said, "Quote: This was a rampage, not a crime spree. And the 20 years Britney will spend behind bars compares well to the grave fate suffered by her co-conspirator as a result of their shared malevolence. These are harsh words for pretty harsh crimes.
0: Brittany is currently incarcerated in the Lowell Correctional Institution in Ocala, Florida. Her current release date is February 9th, 2035, but she still has the federal sentence to serve. If she serves the full 19 years, she'll be nearly 70 years old when she is released.
3: What a waste. We asked Kristen
2: what she thought people should take away from this tragic story. Be careful who you become associated with. I mean, I could be wrong, but it seemed like Blake was the catalyst kind of for this crime. I don't know if Brittany would have gotten caught up in this if she wouldn't have been involved with him. So he'd had a a pretty shady past, like I mentioned. I mean, he'd you know been to prison before and, and had you know committed burglaries, I think, before. So you know he was somebody that you would want to be careful about, you know, being closely associated with, I would think.
3: Like Kristen said, we should always be careful of who we associate with. There's no doubt love is exciting, and it can be a whirlwind. But it's important to never let that whirlwind take you along with it. It's possible that Britney might still be a free woman if she hadn't met Blake. Maybe if she hadn't trusted a man she barely knew. Or maybe Britney knew exactly what she was getting herself into and was fine with it. Or maybe, just maybe, Britney just couldn't resist a bad, bad boy.
1: Huge thank you to Kristen for being our First Degree guest today. If you're listening and you have a story to tell, you can email us hello at podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at thefirstdegree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group. We're talking true crime all the time. And check back tomorrow in your feed. You're going to have a brand new episode of Killing Time.
0: And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. Keep your friends close.
3: But not that close. (laughs) (laughs) Happy uh, Sesame Street Street Day. Day. Writing by Haley Gray, music by Jared Monaco, producing by Caitlin Cleveland. Sources for this episode are Rolling Stone, NBC News, Trustville Tribune, CBS 42, the Montgomery Advertiser, the Springfield News Leader, the Joplin Globe, AL.com. And as always, our 1st read guest is always our largest source.